Howdy there, listeners. It is your boy, Bird. Uh, we had a dark Tom Woods incident, hate to say it. Uh, we had an episode recorded with Mr. Sue. Everything looked like it was going well, and I get into the editing booth, and the audio is bizarre. Uh, so, I'm gonna uh, release a banked episode for you that I recorded with Pat. Glad that I had one, otherwise you wouldn't have gotten a weird day at all. So this is a great episode between me and Pat, and talk about bureaucracy, um, experiences, all kinds of shit. Terror. Oh boy, it's it's a great episode. Sometimes Buckle you up. might feel trapped between the right and the left. No one listens when you say taxation is theft. But there's a place where people know harsh government brings tears. So grab some blue and Adrena Chrome. Let's make the timeline weird. Friends against government. Friends against government. And I mean that in every sense you hear that word, where number one, you're terrorizing other people. They're terrorizing you, so you're in a state of terror. There are two sides to that, yes. And and it reverts you into this affective, emotional war machine, and it makes you an unstoppable, destructive force, and that's what we see. And that bureaucracy, the funny thing, and Deleuze says this, and it's, it's so evident, is the bureaucracy and the war machine are necessary for one another. I mean, it's the only way one works is the way the other works. <laughs> one necessitates the other. And we know that's true. Once you're stuck in one system, there will be a rebellion from the other side of people trying to have a mass exodus from that that bureaucracy. And you see a lot of these mental exoduses when police or really anybody, the, guy, the Antifa guy who goes up to the guy who, who he heard he was a Trump supporter and shot him in the head. That was the whole thing. That was it. You just get turned into this uh, being of pure terror. It's a weird life, man. Um, it's not normal. No, it's not, you're right. That's not. Let me um, circle back to something you said a minute ago when you when I laughed hysterically when you said what kind of mental health. Emotional training. Yeah, emotional training, mental mm-hmm. health training. Um. It's it's also well. It's so co- a lot of cops don't make it their whole career. Some of them end up at the end of a bottle. Some of them end up at uh, the end of a gun, their own gun. Some of them end up at the end of someone else's gun. So it's not a career with a great retirement um, percentage. <laughs> or you quit like me because you've had enough. Hmm. So uh, mental health support in first responder jobs, uh, mostly like the gunfighter jobs, like police and military. Um, sometimes even in jobs like EMS, paramedic, you see a lot of commercials like on the Super Bowl and shit about we care about our troops and oh, that's uh, the, gotta be so what's it? Uh, Wounded Warrior used to be a big deal. They're not yeah. anymore. They're full of shit as far as I've seen. Um, you say things like we support your we support your emotional health, PTSD. We're going to get you help. We care. The special program. Mm. Number one, if special programs exist outside of the military to help you with your mental health while you're active duty military. That's mm-hmm. a clear indicator that there's a problem. Number two, mm-hmm. um, it's it is you are incentivized to not seek emotional or mental support while you're active in those jobs because number one, it could take your paycheck away from you. Number two, it takes your friends away from you. Number three, your coworkers who you're supposed to rely on for support. If there's a fucking gunfight, and you say, "Hey, I need some backup," or there's going to be a fight, or I think there's something suspicious, I need some backup. If you're also the guy that isn't really, quote unquote, all together in the head, right? Because it's easy to push that person to the side because you're different and you're not mm-hmm. you're not strong and solid and fit and with it. All those things add up to, well, fuck it. I just won't get help. I'll just deal with it. I'll drink. I'll go have uh, mm. I'll go live the high risk lifestyle. I'll go fuck people I shouldn't. I'll go into a serious amount of debt. I will. Uh, I'll just give up on all my other hobbies and passions and pursuits. I'll just show up. I'll punch See the clock. War machine cranking up. Right. <laughs> so you're incentivized to not seek help because if you do, it ends your way of life. 
So unfortunately, and I've experienced that myself. I had a really, I had a really, I did not have a really stressful deployment. I did great. I loved it. It was fantastic. When I came home from my Somali piracy operations, I was really stressed because I was home. And to give you the very short story, things for the most part worked the way they were supposed to on operations because we were thousands of miles away from our command. When I came home, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd see all these people complaining about stupid shit and waiting in line and and just being dumb. And there were fucking 37 choices of peanut butter and I couldn't decide which one I wanted and I get a little anxious. And I'm like, fuck, you know what? I'm out. Let me just go home. Let me have a drink. Let me chill out. So I was a little stressed when I came home. Um, I don't remember the specifics. It's been so damn long, but I was standing in roll call with all my military people from all the different units that I was, uh, we were in a bunch of teams and different teams deployed. So all the teams were together. We were at roll call one day after I got home from Africa and the command said something. And then one of the other teams said something like, Oh yeah, come home and get real sad. (laughs) And I thought, is that about me? And I thought you motherfucker. And you think you're helping. And the guy, it was a military officer that said that. So I love that. I love that when you meet people, they go, he's an officer. Ooh, great. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's all lip service. It it makes your life in some situations. It makes your life worse. Another thing people, another thing people just, um, I think I told you, but there was body, not, uh, there was car, uh, what is that called? Front of the car when there's a camera, dash cam, dash cam footage. There's dash cam footage of another incident happening, and I'm sure this one is played in training seminars absolutely everywhere over the country. Um, African-American guy being arrested, uh, two officers, same situation we just talked about where they were on opposite sides of the car. They were struggling, struggling at the back of the car. They pull him out. Um, they tase him on the trunk of the car. He manages to kick the one guy off, that gets the other guy off, runs to the driver's seat <laughs> via around the car, yeah. um, pulls a gun out, shoots the one guy, um, and then shoots the other guy. The other guy falls over the barricade on the highway. Guy gets in his car, drives off. Just that is, I think it would do a lot of people well to make sure you see the other side because the other side, I promise you, is absolutely horrifying. Really, like, mess you up. Well, that You know what else that does, Bird, is that builds up your your walls, your protective walls, oh, oh, right? Oh, for sure. So yeah. I am so proud of all the people that say, uh, that they leave the military because they're fed up with the machine or they leave, it's, it's harder i think to leave law enforcement uh it's it's why a lot of it's why a lot of people that are that they hang on to their military service it's because it is their skin it's their identity it's who they are as a person i did this huge thing so if you tell them hey that was actually really bad what you did then it it's almost like ripping their fucking skin off sure they take you into police academy for six months and in six months they break you down as a human being and build you back up just like they do in everything else and if you've been in the military you're familiar with that process as well they break you down they build you back up you're mostly the same but they've put things in and the kicker seems to be they put a lot of things in there they don't tell you about (laughs) that's what she said <laughs> Man, this has been dark. This has been really dark, Bird. This is, I mean, bureaucracy is dark. Fuck. Well, let, we can jump into the it's regular evil. topic if you want. I mean, I know we, uh, it, anytime. Fuck. See, the thing is, I like to be quite rhizomatic about this. We are talking about bureaucracy this whole time. <laughs> Good. Good. This is all bureaucracy, unfortunately. These things. Yeah, it is. The, again, the other option is you can become an international terrorist and you'll feel terror because the entire society, including all the people around you, hate you just as much, but for a different reason. You know, you could be a religious fundamentalist who lives in a cave somewhere and, and you're afraid of the US government. You're afraid of uh, <laughs> rival tribes. You're afraid of your own government. You're, or gonna, rather, the, the government in the country you're I'm in. I'm going to send you something. Have you ever seen the Corbett five minute 9 11 video? No. That doesn't sound familiar to you? Corbett report? Yeah. He's got a I'm not familiar with him. He's got a 5 minute video. Like I know him but on yeah. 911. Oh my god, it's almost worth mm-hmm. fucking pausing. You twittering me? Can we do that? Yeah, twitter it to me. We don't have to pause it. I'll play right. the It's it's an audio. Is it, is it necessary to listen to the full 5 minutes to get the thing? To get the the Uh it is 4 minutes it, like, and 55 seconds. You don't need video. Oh boy. Let me c- c- click the share thing All right. here. Let's play Copy. it. Copy. 
Copy again. Where are you at, Twitter? Okay. Where are you at? Where are you at? Hopefully this doesn't get... Well, maybe I'll delete it in post, but I'll tell and you where you can find here it. here we go. Sent. Okay. Are you sending this to Twitter or... Yeah. If you okay. just even, nice. even if you just listen to audio, All it's right. worth it. All right. So it is called... Speaking of... Uh, 9-11, The Truth in Five Minutes, James Corbett. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. Let me... I'm going to play it and mute you. And okay. Do you mind okay. or should I no, just... No, let's do it. No, let's do it. Okay. Me. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbored them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because nobody in our government at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes into buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about His head could be seen to move violently forward. And They took the babies out of incubators. And Mobile production facilities. And The rescue of Jessica Lynch. 
If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. Wow. <laughs> Wowza. Pretty good summation. That was pretty good. Yeah. That's the official story, right? <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, we, we all, I mean, it's funny because as you did that, well, as you recommended that to me and we listened, I also Googled uh, Bin Laden's bookshelf just because I was curious. <laughs> what is Bin Laden's bookshelf? <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. Lot of document. Well, Bin Laden's bookshelf. They have all the do- oh, they. Well, they what? declassified and well, they have all the books. Like they, they have a whole list. Go look it up. It's at dni.gov. Put myself on another yeah, list. dni.gov. Bin Laden's bookshelf. They have a lot of his declassified writings. They have uh, all of the books that he owned in his one bookshelf, which is a lot less than you would think, considering he was a college-educated rich guy. Um, I think he was a college-educated uh, rich guy. This is odd. definitely a rich guy. A lot of stuff, man. A lot of stuff in here. A lot of interesting. He's got a book in here called The Hijab. Why? By Dr. Muhammad Ismail. I don't know. It's kind of funny to imagine that guy needed material on that subject huh. in particular. Yeah, he was a very well-learned man who was given a lot of money when he was fighting Russians. And uh, ever since then, the United States government has done everything in their power to cover that link. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, that requires all of the fabrication that comes afterwards. And you know, I don't know, because a lot of people think Bin Laden was a like a like a, a patsy the whole time. I really don't think that. I really think he was like a very much elusive to them a lot of the time. Because I really do believe the bureaucracy is that dumb to not be able to find a guy hopping between caves, as well as all the things that were actually done to prevent that process from going further, and all the stupidity, and maybe even a lot of purposeful behavior to delay that process. Why though? Why? I think like wh- at, why... at a minimum, there are things that clearly do not add up in the equation. There are no. both sides are not yeah. equal. If this guy did this, yeah. we should send people in to go get that bad guy, right? I think there are tons of documentable. I read a couple books on it. I was super pumped about it when it happened. Yeah, let's go get the bad guys. And they sent teams in mm-hmm. that said, "We're watching him through our sniper scopes right now. We're ready to take him out." <laughs> and they got told, "Nah." It's fine. Just leave them for now. And then they ended up taking him out anyway. Yeah, a decade later. So. Well, we can't take him out. He's such a valuable source of info. Bang. And they so, take him out 10 yeah, years later. Yeah, no, clearly there's a lot of equations <laughs> that don't add up. Maybe enough time to potentially foment more uh, evil uh, characters for us to uh, swing at you know, endlessly. Uh, oh, God. There's a really good book I read about bureaucracy, too. I asked the author to come on to my show. Um, but- it's funny. as It's funny. As you said, you know, I literally was like, you know what I just said? I need to get this book I've been reading. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me see if it's in my book. Oh, I got mine. Okay. If it's the same book, I want to do a backflip. No, no. I, d- I really doubt you have the book Post-Hegemony by no. Don- John Beasley Murray. No. no, I doubt it. It's a very good book for people, though. Man, there's some yeah, and hey, you can take your time because I found it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. There is a book and it's really good. Um it's called Victor in the Rubble. It's by Alex Finley. So here's hmm. here's the story, since we're talking about bureaucracy. Um everyone knows, I think it's really clear, that anybody that works for the US government or the US any state in the US government, right? State as in bureaucracy state. We are up against, we are trying in earnest to do the things that our bosses want us to do, and our bosses are preventing us from doing it. So we're arguing with our command to do for the command what the command says they want done. So Mm -hmm. this book is two sides of the same story. It is a federal agent for the U.S. in a kind of parallel universe. They use different names and different acronyms. Like inside the FBI, it's like the FAB. And instead of the instead of the Taliban, it's like the Baliban. I don't know, but it's two different. Yeah. So it's a bad guy and a good guy, right? And the good guy's the agent, the bad guy's the terrorist. And they show you the good guy trying to argue with his bosses just to go get the bad guy. And which I think is the coolest thing about the book is they show you the bad guy mm. trying to do bad guy things 
and his boss is not letting him. Hmm. And at the end of the, they kind of weave these two stories together from both sides of the coin, which I really like. Um, and they both are doing the same things at the same times and are trying to both do their jobs and they just can't fucking do it because of the bureaucracy. I think it's a really cool book. It's a very restrictive thing, that old bureaucracy. Because it's, um, it's not about you. It's never about you. And, I, and what's really funny is I, I think the contention then would be the opposite of whatever bureaucracy is is absolutely about you. If that's terror, I don't know, because terror is very internalized. I'm not sure. I don't know, man. It's Terror has been on my mind lately, to be honest with you, besides bureaucracy, because obviously when you have bureaucracy on one end, you have to have a reference to it. And terror happens to be the opposite reference. Hmm. <sighs> I feel like I can personify a bureaucracy. I can say it wants this. It does that. It evolves this way. It moves this way. Mm-hmm. So one of my, so I'm writing the next book that I'm going to do is going to be my iron laws of bureaucracy. I got about somewhere mm-hmm. between 10 and 20 uh, different laws that are patterns that I see within a bureaucracy. Um, probably one of the punchlines at the end is going to be a bureaucracy operates like a living organism, but the people yeah, in a does. bureaucracy are prevented from acting like normal human people. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You're, oh man, I got to send you some resources then because you're on, I could, yeah, I'll send you, know, you some stuff that is literally about that kind of thing. I love it. Definitely probably help it. you put sentences together. I'm trying. Damn, that is. I found one book. Ugh. Is it called the Bureaucracy by one of our, uh, what do you call those? Bureaucracy. Isn't our book called Bureaucracy? Matt from Status Quo was pointing me towards it. He told me to read it. I've, and I've intentionally not read other people's works on the subject because I want this next work to be my own. Oh, Ludwig von yeah, Mises. Th- Mises yep. I, I got to tell you, well, most of the listeners know this, never picked up a, <laughs> a single Mises book, but actually, that one might be the one. Yeah, I intentionally did not pick that book up. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? I want this to be... F- you want you want your take? I want it to be from Pat, and I've always... So mm. one of the big problems, I see a lot of these same patterns. So I used to walk through... I love this. I used to walk through uh, Barnes & Noble bookstore. I would take any of the girls that I was dating and I'd walk them through the store and I'd go, Hey, let's look for some military leadership books. And I would say, I'll give you a hundred dollars right now. If you can find one that wasn't written by an officer. (laughs) So I, (laughs) to kind of fill that knowledge gap, I want my book to be from me and I want it to be looking at the bureaucracy from the people that do the job, not looking at the bureaucracy from the people that support the bureaucracy. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So I'm trying not to read other people's works and to do my take on their work. I'm trying I will to send you absolutely own. nothing then. I will send you send absolutely nothing. nothing and I look forward. No, that's another good strategy because ultimately, I mean, what are concepts other than shit you make up, right? So your own take on it is, especially if it's just a raw take, is probably going to be much more useful than if I start inundating you with other thoughts on it. <laughs> and it's a lot less footnotes this way. Oh, yeah. Bird, I'm so sure. sorry, man. I'm going to pee my fucking pants. you mind if I go to the bathroom again? Oh, my God. Yeah, pee I'm your sorry, pants. Absolutely. No, Hold it's on. perfectly fine. I'll be quick. I'm going to read some stuff to the listeners. Hi, listeners. Ow, fuck. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> uh, terror has been on my mind, guys, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I've never just talked to you guys. Never just been me and you. But it's nice to talk to you. How are you? Hope you're doing well. Great. Love to hear it. Yeah. Terror has been, um, in contrast to bureaucracy, something that's been on my mind recently. If you're interested in reading post-hegemony political theory in Latin America, John Beasley Murray, pick that up. Skip the first half if you're not interested in the critique of the current system. He goes into the construction of what he views to be the um, constitution of that system, like what's in it, how it's made up, what are the operations that are occurring in it, what kind of dichotomies occur in it. Obviously, state politics on one end, terror on the other is one that you've just heard. Um, Or actually, it's state order. But uh, yeah, pick it up. Try it out. I'm here. 
Hello. Hello. I just plugged a book. That's all I did. Cool. <laughs> I uh, I wish I give me some rules. Give me some different iron laws on 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 bureaucracy. Give me one Pat's that pops into your head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yours. Yes. It can be one that you haven't maybe haven't said. Well, I'll tell you where it started. It started with Pornell's Iron Law of Bureaucracy. Yep. Mm-hmm. In any bureaucracy, the people devoted to the benefit of the bureaucracy itself always get in control. And those dedicated to the goals of the bureaucracy, uh, the goals that the bureaucracy is supposed to accomplish, they have less and less influence and sometimes are eliminated entirely. That's it. So you have two groups of people and they separate farther the more the bureaucracy progresses. I was fascinated by that. I also, through my 10 years of government work, have had a very, um, I've been very critical of bad leadership or leadership in general. Mm. So put those things, those two things together. I started writing a lot. I started looking at case studies. I started recognizing patterns. And now I have Pat's rules for bureaucracy. Uh, let me give you one. Mm. Proximity to command. I think we talked about it mm-hmm. recently. Pro- mm-hmm. Proximity to command equals attention from command, both good and bad. Sure. If you're close yes, to and, the command and, and a commander gets some fucking donuts delivered every morning, you probably get a couple free donuts if you're low ranking, mm-hmm. but you're really close to him. Like your office, like you're the janitor, but you're the janitor right next to the CEO of your unit. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, man, you've been doing a great job sweeping those floors. Take a donut. Okay. The guy's out doing the mission. They don't get your fucking donuts because you're close to the command. The bad thing about being close to command, so that would be a close and good. Now, there's a close and bad, mm-hmm. which is I'm the new private and I iron the CEO's clothes. Well, the bad part about it, I do get a donut, but when I walk into his office, he goes, hey, your boots aren't shined. Shine your fucking boots. So you're under a microscope of making sure that your actions are within whatever bullshit he wants. So there's close good and close bad. The far good would be I'm far away from my command, like I was on my piracy and my drug operations, far away from the, far away from the command. If I want to use rifle magazines that don't jam, I buy my own and I carry my own and I use my own and they are none the wiser. So that's nice that I get to use the gear that I want and no one takes out their pen and paper and writes down my name and puts me on a naughty list. So it's good that Mm. I'm not being watched like a hawk. So I get to do the job. The bad is like, this was from law enforcement. We had a substation. So a, a lot of law enforcement agencies don't have just one headquarters. They have a building and then separate little smaller buildings throughout the community. Well, one of those smaller community buildings I was in, I worked for this agency for about, I think, two and a half years I spent um, as a patrol officer, somewhere between two and three. Every single day of my job, of my career with them, there were ants in our kitchen. And I complained Mm -hmm. about it probably several dozen times. And every single day, there were still ants in our kitchen. We never once have I heard, hey, we got the bug guy coming in. Never once have I heard, hey, stay stay out of the office or the kitchen or the office today because the ant guy's coming. Never heard of it. And I have a sneaky mm-hmm. suspicion that the sheriff of our agency wasn't the most concerned about the problem that we couldn't sit at our fucking kitchen table because it was covered in ants. So that's the far bad. <laughs> yeah. The far good and the far bad. So we did hit all four. Great. That's one of my iron laws of bureaucracy that I've I've identified. Proximity to command. Proximity yeah. to command. I'm gonna take a drink here. Would you say that that would be a a, a false pattern, or what are your thoughts on that? No, I think all patterns are true patterns. That's why they're <laughs> patterns. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. No, I, I and I actually was gonna pivot to that. So now the question, of course, is. That is a has to be a universal thing for it to be a law, which means the guy telling you to shine your boots is even closer to command. Obviously, he's a command to you, but he's also has a commander. Now, the question I, I guess I would wonder is like, what what about that guy who's in command of you is making him tell you to shine your boots? It's be obviously because oh, someone. I got another good bonus for you to answer that. There's a YouTube mm-hmm. video called "The Keys to Power" or "The Keys Keys to Something." Go to YouTube. Do you see it? The, the keys to power does come up. You mean CPG Gray? What is that? Let me look. Uh, keys to power. Oh yes, the yep. rules for rulers. Yep, rules for rulers. Yep, that's a really good video. Okay, eighteen that's minutes. That's an eighteen minute we video. So that. listen to that yeah. after. Well, yeah, and also it looks. It looks. It has eleven million views. So they may try and attempt to attack me if I. <laughs> 
So uh, that's one. That's a good thing you you can look at. Uh, two, I have a iron law that my own iron laws about bureaucracy. One of them is with more rank comes more pay, more perks, and less accountability. So every single step you go up, you are closer to hmm. that group of people that exists because of the bureaucracy, and you're farther from the people that do the job of the bureaucracy. Say that again. All right. Every single time you get promoted, you are incentivized mm. to do what the bureaucracy itself wants yes. to protect itself. Mm. And you are pushed farther every with every promotion. You're pushed farther away from the people that the bureaucracy can't fucking exist without. You're farther from the operators that operate the machinery that the bureaucracy relies upon with every single promotion. That's one of my iron laws. Yeah, man. And here's, that's, that's, let, that's... let me give you a, a real life example that almost every one of you can probably understand if you close your eyes and think for a second about every job you've ever had. If I, as a new guy, I walk in, no matter what the bureaucracy is, maybe I work at McDonald's or I work at a fucking computer company. If I'm brand new and I walk in and they go, here's your shitty paycheck. If I tip over the water cooler and I cause $1,000 worth of damage, do you think I'm getting fired? What are the chances? Five out of ten? Probably pretty good. Half, flip a coin, right? Probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, sure. If I am a, if I'm in a big bureaucracy and I am upper middle management, like I'm in charge of creating programs and uh, doing outreach and I really don't have a tight noose around my neck, like I can go out and uh, I get paid six figures plus and I'm in charge of a bunch of people. What if I start a program and I say, hey, uh, I need some funding to start this program. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be innovative. It's going to change the way we do business. It's going to be great. It's going to be good for the community. It's going to make us look awesome. If I do that and it costs our bureaucracy $10,000 to implement that program. If the program makes our bureaucracy worse at the end of it, what are the chances I'm getting fired? And what are the chances I can just try again? Mm. Do you understand the difference here? Yeah. So I can start something. And I can say, oh, we went over budget by $30,000. My bad. Oh, okay, yep. cool. But if I'm a new guy and I go, oh, I, I broke this thing. It costs, or I, I stole $10 worth of stuff. You're fucking fired. Yeah. Bye. Get out. Where if I'm huh. way up in the organization and I go, you know, I'm going to take this stuff home. I'm going to use it because I work here and I work at home. Just give me $100 worth of this stuff. I'm just going to take it. Even if you're found wrongful. Are you getting fired for $100 worth of pens that you stole? I think the higher you go, the more likely that answer is no, you're not getting fired for it. Now, is that just because now I guess so when you asked me about patterns before, how about this one? Mm -hmm. Now, is that because with promotion comes uh, the bureaucracies prioritizing you as one of its main components? Well, uh, so we can't get rid of you. You are, if you watch that video I just recommended, you are the close, mm. the more you get promoted, the more you are a key to power. So the more you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, basically. So, so you make the bureaucracy's rules as you ascend. The closer you get, the closer the bureaucracy starts to mirror you. But as you go up, the closer you mirror the bureaucracy at the same yeah, time. Yeah, every single time you go up, you are incentivized to do more of what your boss wants and less of what the operators need. Got it. Hmm. That's my thoughts on that one. That is that makes sense, but I, I was going to ask you. Okay, what about a situation in really like a real terror bureaucracy, like something like North Korea, where there is no clear, there is a clear public speaking head, but we all know that the clear public speaking head has a gun to the back of his head from all the generals, but each one of the generals has a gun <laughs> pointed at one another. Like, what about a situation in which? Is there room for situations where it appears to be bureaucratic, but at really as you, for, as you get closer to the top, you're simultaneously given more and put closer to the edge of becoming very expendable when necessary, maybe even politically. Well, like at any time, someone like Kim Jong-un could extend his usefulness as the highest guy. That's interesting. Um, oh, fuck. I just had it. What was I going to say? Shit. I hate when that oh, happens. God. Don't you hate when? Yeah. Don't you hate when I talk too you much? Just, you and just you... <laughs> did like two or th like just a little bit too much. Fuck. Oh, damn it. All right. Well, uh, I had something to say about that. Kim Jong Un, generals pointing yeah, gen guns good. at others. Yeah, as you go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, fuck it. But it see it just seems it just seems like that like in those situations, have you considered what the possibility of that is for bureaucracy? Is there a rule that covers situations where as you travel up, you actually have more guns pointed at you at the same time as you get? More no, privileges? oh, that's what I was gonna say. That's great. Yeah, so, I tried to jog yeah. it. Yep. You the man. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was at a counter drug unit. We had two counter drug operators. What was on the counter? Hopefully drugs. <laughs> that was, right. That was a bad joke. <laughs> we made that joke before, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. Counters. So I was at my counter drug unit. Um, we had two operators that their job was to go out and seize contraband, mostly cocaine, sometimes marijuana, um, mm. who were caught during a training evolution in their hotel room snorting coke off of the counter. Buddy. And they got caught, and that information was passed on to the command, and they did not get a dishonorable discharge. They were quietly and generally discharged. I don't know Ooh. all the details, but there was a small public ceremony where they, the people weren't there. They just said, hey, these two people were have left the unit. They were caught doing something bad. They're really bad. So I gave them a general discharge administratively. <laughs> and I thought, huh, that's odd. Shouldn't it be the worst type of discharge you could possibly give them in the military? <laughs> doing the exact opposite of what you're paying them to do? Not that I give a shit about people doing drugs. I'm, I'm pretty much. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what drugs you do, and I. I, I was gonna say like people in the military have been using things like cocaine since the beginning right. of time. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that. But if you're if yeah. you're looking at it from mission effectiveness, if you're looking at it from the bureaucracy, what they say that they want to be done, that would be the worst sin, right? Doing the exact opposite of what sure. your command wants. Sure. The. The benefit to that, what makes the command happy is it looks really bad as a leader of a unit if you have people in your unit that are that are doing things that are not par with the bureaucracy. So there is an incentive all the way up the chain of command at different levels. There is an incentive to cover things up because it would make the command look bad if you didn't do them. So if you were mm-hmm. in charge of North Korea and your one of your generals was doing something really bad, it's sometimes mm-hmm. easier... And it would look better publicly if you said, let's just brush that to the side. We'll leave things how they are. We'll forget about it. It's sometimes easier and more incentivized to do that than to say, oh, no, one of my closest allies turned on me. That makes me look weak. That looks terrible. Oh, no. So by enforcing that action on that on the on the person that's not doing what you want, it makes you look bad in return. So there certainly is an incentive to not deal with that problem or to brush it to the side. Hmm. Okay. And I've seen that with my own eyes, like in the case study I just told you. Yeah. It looks bad Mm -hmm. if I'm in charge of a unit and my guys in my unit are doing the opposite of the mission. So I'm going to quietly move them out. Right. Now, whether or not you kill them doesn't actually matter. I don't think our commander killed them. Bureaucracy. But I haven't really checked in on on them in a while. (laughs) Well, I mean, like in a sense, in the case where you are a very, well, like who, who was it was, who got, which was Che Guevara killed by his own guys? No there's clue. been lots of situations. There's been lots of situations where up top guys. I mean, fucking Trotsky. I mean, Trotsky gets run out at some point. Uh, there's been lots of situations where the top guys either get killed or yeah disappear. Well, they well they but kind of talk I, about we, it in that we, video. But think about this too. If you're one of the top guys, mm. you're one of right. You're rank number two with a bunch of other guys that are rank number two. If mm. your number one rank guy starts shooting number two rank guys in the head just willy nilly, that makes you not really happy at your job. <laughs> yeah, sure. So there right. is an incentive Absolutely. to keep your number twos happy. If you kill too or many kill of them, them for no fucking so reason, quickly. or you kill too many of them wrongfully, <laughs> they're gonna turn on you. So there, you do have to. There is a balancing act. You do have to keep them somewhat happy, otherwise they won't be your key. They won't do the work for you. So yeah, there's a lot going on, but I think it, it all. What about what about? I don't know if these are one of your laws. What about Bird's Jello law of bureaucracy? Oh my god! As you tell me, what is as it? As you ascend the ranks, differentiation between rank becomes more unclear. More unclear. Yeah. I would think it be, will become more clear. Oh, this is juicy. Let's hash it out. Okay, internally, not externally. Explain to me what you mean, because I'm not tracking, but I would love to. 
let's talk about the bureaucracy as an animal, or let's talk about it as an organism. Okay. And so, obviously, an organism is what? It's just an assemblage of component parts. We are heart, liver, blah, 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 brain, thoughts, love, hate, all of our memories, whatever. Bureaucracy is literally everything that's involved in it. When you're outside of it, the exterior that bureaucracy would like to put up is a clear differentiation of rank, obviously. That's part of how it works. It just descending authority. But is there perhaps a situation where internally within the bureaucracy, as you say, you get more privileges and so on and so forth. Is there also with that introduction of more privileges, doesn't that just generally increase your power in the bureaucracy to the point where as you increase in rank, your power bubble starts to, I don't know, become the same size as all those other guys' power bubbles who are up there. I mean, the president, yes, incredibly powerful figure in, in the bureaucracy of the United States government. Incredibly powerful okay. figure. But all the generals beneath him, incredibly powerful figures. Yeah. Now, ultimately, he's got the jurisprudence to remove them. But as we've already been talking, incentives, behaviors, habits, preferences, all those things go above jurisprudence anyway. They all go above what someone's legally capable of doing because you want to, I don't know, preserve the PR of the bureaucracy, blah, blah, blah. But in doing things like that, maybe Trump, let's say, not exercising his power to fire or remove a general for whatever reason, because maybe he knows the media will blow up on him and whatever. It'll make the bureaucracy look worse. Doesn't that give that general some kind of power? Yeah, absolutely. It blurs that line. I don't know, because you you could potentially see this in a very low-ranked soldier, like who everybody loves, who got fired by a, a straight-up general, and everybody's like, but he didn't do anything wrong. Actually, this did happen recently, but he didn't do anything wrong. And uh, and so then perhaps he gets rehired, which did happen recently. I wish I could remember the name of the situation. This guy who killed a bunch of people in a foreign country, and they like laid him off, and then they were like, you know what? You're a soldier again. Just happened recently. Hmm. So it it seems like that can tr- tr- again like is transient across the bureaucracy. But what do you think about that? Like as you go up externally, it becomes more clear who's in control. But internally, actually, the power sharing might become more equal. I, I'm pretty happy with my explanation that yes, you have to balance you have to balance the charts at every level. So the boss has to. Rank one has to keep rank two happy, but rank two has to do what rank one wants. There's an equation. That's all there. I, yeah, I agree. Yep. Two yeah, to three, that's it. the same that's equation has to balance. Mm-hmm. You have to be in charge and they have to do what you want, but you also have to, mm-hmm. you can't do too much to tip that seesaw because then yes. things get bad. So there is a balancing act with every rank, I would say, certainly. That's what mainly all I was getting sure. to. Yeah, there has to be, there's a capitulatory element, which like, for example, in an, in a monarchical structure does not exist. Like an absolute king has advisors, but they have no even sense that he has to listen to them or do what they say. But in this country, and certainly in the bureaucracy, there is a sense that Trump should listen to the people beneath him, that Trump should capitulate to the people beneath him. And I think that must happen in a lot of major bureaucracies, corporations put together, anything like that, where, like you say, as you get higher up, you're forced to capitulate at the same time as you're given lots of privileges. It, it It's still, you have a lot of power externally, but internally it almost seems like as you go get further in, further integrated into the bureaucracy. I see a little bit more now. You know what I mean? I as you get further more, yeah. into that bureaucracy and you integrate with the purpose of that bureaucracy, the power is then shared between multiple people all trying to do the Yeah, at the, the same time you have more power and less. Incentives. Yes. Yes. You have, yeah. Well, yeah. And yes, Sexy. access. I like access. It. Well, it's called access. You have access. You're given opportunity, but like on a, this is a metaphor that's not my own. So, but like on a highway, you're given the appearance of total freedom to be able to go where you want at the speeds you want. But of course, you're just in control the whole time on a highway. You can't leave the highway, you'll fucking die. <laughs> you know, you'll go right off the ramp and die. You're you're in complete control of the bureaucracy while at the same time having the total illusion that you're going 90 miles an hour in a free direction. I, there must be something like that there. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'm happy. And there we go. I'm glad we're talking Pat. about that. You want to give me like one 
Do you have what's your last rule of bureaucracy? Our last thing before we'll go. Let me take a look here. I got them all laid out for you. Let me take a look. I'm gonna give you a juicy one. Um, this is oh, my yeah. Th- give me a juicy. This one. is one of my favorites. This is one of my absolute favorites. Hmm. So the, I call it command, but it be, could be any rank above you, right? So wherever you lie within the command, it could be anyone plus one above you. Command is under no responsibility or under no requirement to understand simple math, simple logic, simple physics, or simple logistics. Yep. <laughs> We've all yeah. seen it in Hollywood fucking movies. The boss comes up, he goes, Hey, turn that one light bulb into two separate light bulbs and make it happen That's within right. the next hour. And you go, Listen, it takes easily 20, 30 minutes to get a quote. I got to get someone on the phone. They have to drive here. It takes X amount of time to drill in a new light bulb hole to put another light bulb in to make it two light bulbs instead of one. And the boss goes, mm. I don't care. Make it happen. And you say, great. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so command is under, and they're not under no obligation to understand simple math. No obligation or simple physics. Like, hey, I sit at the end of a really, really, really long hallway. So he walks through the door and there's a really, really, really long hallway. And then the operator sits at the end. Commander walks in, goes all the way through the door, all the way down the hallway, talks to the operator and says, don't let anyone through this front door. And the operator says, okay, commander, uh, should I move my desk closer to the door so that I can stop people from coming in? No, you have to sit right here. Hmm. And you go, well, sorry, sir, but I, if I'm sitting here, I can't stop anyone from coming in. I'd have to get up from my desk and sprint. By the time I got to the front door, they would already be in. And the commander says, it doesn't matter. Make it happen. Well, you're still the boss. The operator is still the lowest paid. He's still the operator operating the machinery. And the commander is still under no obligation <laughs> to understand simple physics, that you can't do what you're what you're asking other people to do. That's really common. How the hell does it work? And he still gets paid, right? <laughs> and if there's a failure, this is the, the best part. If there's a failure, who gets blamed? The commander or the operator? Mm-hmm. Someone got through the front door, you're fired. Next. And of course, it's not always that angry and aggressive, but we see yeah, the circumstances. Sure. It's just dumb. It's stupid. It, it's stupid because it's not the same human. <laughs> it's just, I was going to ask you, when you say those words, uh, basic math, blah, 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 are those just like polemical? Like, like you're just saying it. To specifically be like, yeah, fuck you and you're stupid and blah. When you're also saying they have no obligation to understand the processes happening under them. Sure. Yeah. But but, but I'm, I wouldn't like be they, wrong. Like I, like the, no, no, no. I'm saying you're correct. Yeah. I'm saying besides that, what you mean in, in like literally in practice is that general has no reason to know how the door even well, operates. He just knows it closes and opens. They're under no obligation to understand how things work, period. Gen- yeah. Well, they're not, and they're not punished if they don't understand. <sighs> that one, I think you you gave us just that on the on the last episode yeah. you were on. You gave us just the very beginning of it. That is out of the many you've read. That's my favorite too. That one is so good. How about? Th- and it's the most puzzling. It's weird. It doesn't make sense how a bureaucracy. But it's funny because I say that, but we just said a bureaucracy is an animal, and we know how dumb they can be. Yeah. Including us. Well, that one's closely. Let me give you one more. Hopefully, we're not too late on time. Let me give you one more that's nah, really tied more. into that, which might explain it. Is with every single every single rank in a bureaucracy has an incentive to lie to every single other rank in a bureaucracy. <laughs> and that could be part yeah. of it, right? You're you're in the middle, sure. right? Let's say the the commander that's yelling down the hallway. He's in the middle. He says, "My boss." wants me to keep people out of this building. So I'm going to yell at you to sit at that desk and keep people out of the building. And you as the operator, you might go, well, shit, I'm backed into a corner. I'm really far from that door. I can't stop people from coming in the door, but you're yelling at me. You're threatening me probably sometimes with physical violence or to ruin my life because I no longer have a paycheck or stability. So here's what I'm going to do as the bottom level operator. Someone comes through that door. I'm going to sprint up there. I'm going to push him out. And then when you come back, you're going to say the commander is going to come back and I'm going to tell the commander, nope, no one came in. So I'm going to lie to you so that I don't get punished for your stupid fucking policy. And now you as the commander can tell the the upper, upper, upper management, nope, no one came in. We're good to go. 
And then the upper, upper management doesn't have to tell the bottom management why they want that done. So there's no requirement to tell the people below you mm-hmm. why you want something done, which is really clear with the military. Go, okay. Go kill. That's my favorite. That one is my favorite. Every With that every single is, rank, there is an incentive really to lie both up and down the chain of command. Yep. Both directions. Yeah. And, and, and there's an f- interesting thing. I don't know if you have taken account of this in your other laws, but I don't know if you've even heard you as you say it, but there's a, here's a conceptual term for you. The chain of consternation. It it's, it's almost sounds like he gets to yell at you. And so your resolution is to aggressively police that door because you can't, I don't know. You can either yell at the person who's going to walk through the door and go, what are you doing? This, you can't just walk into this door. You got to wait at the front of the door or, you can, like you say, run up to the door, shove them out and go, hey, man, you can't. But there's a chain of constant, like you are forced to do things aggressively. I, I would or I would say that force only goes one way through the chain of command. It only goes down. As an operator, yeah. you can't force your smart ideas up the chain, but they can force their dumb ideas down to mm-hmm. you. And that must cause, like literally, it's the same thing in the household. Like there's a, I mean, we've heard this a million times. The boss yells at you. Uh, husband goes home, yells at the wife, wife yells at the kid, kid yells at the dog. Kid's got no one to yell at. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Or the, yeah. Kid's got no one to yell at. So what he ends up doing is going nuts and, and attacking the difference people, is, becoming the war machine that breaks away from the bureaucracy. Yeah. The difference is a kid is, is not out there operating the machinery in a bureaucracy. The mm-hmm. operators are operating the machinery and they have no one to complain mm-hmm. to. I experienced mm-hmm. that in my own life. I was on my very first military unit. I left boot camp and went right to a boat. The day I got there out of boot camp, they said, you can't take leave after boot camp like most people because your unit needs you. I thought, great, they need me. So I drove straight from boot camp, straight to a boat, parked my car, put my shit on the boat. The next morning I was on my way to the Caribbean. One of my bosses there said, oh, it's so it's so tough, man. I got a tough life. And I said, yeah, I got a tough life too. He said, you don't understand. I said, well, yeah, I'm in the fucking trash room crushing trash with my bare fucking hands. You know, and I'm cleaning your stateroom for you. I'm dusting your fucking bedroom, which is nicer than mine. And he said, you don't understand. I see. I have to, I'm forced to tell you what to do. And I have problems from above me in the chain of command. And I thought, okay, hey, sir, do you want to switch jobs? You're more than welcome to demote yourself. And I I can go ahead and take your place. And he said, oh, don't like that. And I thought, oh, interesting. Lose those privileges. Oh, interesting. Well, he doesn't want to lose so his privileges. So you think it's worse yeah. being you because you have pressure mm-hmm. from above and below. But you don't really want to switch with me. That's odd. You are absolutely, you can write up a letter today. You can send it to your commander and you can say, I request to be demoted to E1, rank one enlisted. But you won't do it. Huh, that's odd. So he was full of shit. But I've seen that myself in my own life. Yeah. Man. It's this so thing is uh, going to cause some huge problems <laughs> if it hasn't already. I let me give you the last one, and I'm I'll take up. Mm. I'm, I'm done with your time. So my mm. very very juicy punchline at the end is Ooh. I don't have a way to test this because it doesn't exist. But in my humble opinion, in a truly free society and in a truly free market, most of my iron laws that I've identified or my patterns won't exist anymore. Probably not. Probably not. Think about but this. I, as the nihilist that I am, I, I am definitely going to say, but other problems will arise. Yes, yes <laughs> you're yeah. right. However, I think the chain of command problem and all these different problems yeah. with different ranks and different mm-hmm. orders, I think they go away. And I think that's because... Almost everybody in this country that owns a business in some way has protection from a literal fucking armed force to prevent competition at some level. Yeah. If I work for a restaurant and they go, you're the operator, you're the lowest paid, but you're actually the one that makes the food and serves the food and does the job and takes the money. (laughs) If I say, well, this is stupid. I'm going to open up my own restaurant. If I walk across the street and start serving food without permission, without regulation, without paying taxes, there's a literal fucking army that will murder me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have some, yeah, there's competition, but not all competition. You get some competition within the rules. 
Mm-hmm. Yup. Well, Pat, I mean, my God, Boom. I feel like <laughs> Sorry. part three needs to occur as well. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you very much. But part three will be about terror. Part three will be about terror. Because that'll be for me. That's fine. That'll be for me. <laughs> no, man, it is, it's, uh, it is a, a amazing that that little thing at the end. That's why that's my favorite is because built into bureaucracy and every anarchist knows this. This is the pinnacle of anarchism is the abolishing of that chain of consternation as recognizing that specific thing as a major source of problem is that command structure that doesn't go upwards at all ever ever that doesn't ever go you have to listen to me now and that's why the fuck and that's why proles <laughs> go out and start revolutions and shit for precisely that reason to exercise the reverse chain of command and consternation at that that's uh, so amazing because as, as you you and i both know living in american 2020 adult men adult humans really their the consternation is just everywhere. You can't do this. You can't do that. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm. There's a rule about this. A rule about that. It wears on you. Yeah. It, and imagine forty hours a week, not including the overtime. They don't pay you double for, <laughs> like they probably should. That's your whole life. Foucault talks about your job subjectifies you that you before you enter the school as a preschooler, you're a little baby. You're just you. You're just you figuring out the world. They put you in the school system and all of a sudden they're already breaking you down and building you back up and telling you how to behave and what rules you need to follow societally and legally. Then you leave that. You go to college, maybe, or you go to the factory, maybe. And I and there, they're breaking you down and building you back up. You got to follow this time code, this schedule. You're going to be this kind of human being. You act this way when you're on the job. And frankly, you act this way when you're off the job because yep. you're going to make the job look bad. It, it penetrates into who you are as a human being. Then you leave the factory You or, or maybe you leave college and you go, I don't know. I want to be go join the military now or whatever. And then you join a super command structure. That's this is life in the West. This is how I don't know if it's life anywhere else. I just know it is life in the West. And that and we've been building this structure for since the Enlightenment, more or less, the bureaucratic structure. And we are really starting to see the death pangs of it. I think that there are some ungrappable constants about like this thing that we are simply just not capable of dealing with. Well, yeah, it's going to, the internet certainly has been a tool is the biggest spy tool. The most invasive spying tool that any <laughs> government has ever used against its citizens ever. Yeah. However, comma, we're using it to make a lot of really fucking cool shit Fuck and to yeah. cut out the middleman so harshly mm-hmm. that hopefully he never comes back. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love that message. And with that, Pat, every plug you have and uh, listeners, do me a very special one. I'm going to actually tweet this episode out. Let us know if you want to hear a part three. Because I want to do a part three. <laughs> you should do a poll. I uh, fucking love your guys' polls. I will do a poll. Yeah, I usually do joke polls, but I will do a real poll. Pat, remind me if I forget because <laughs> I'm a stunad. You know I will. I'll, or listeners, remind me if I forget. DM me, scream at me. Hey, you forgot to do your poll. Uh, you and I will put some topics together and we'll go, what What can we pivot off of bureaucracy to that we both have a little bit of thoughts on next? And we'll come back and do another one. How about we do that? I'm just going to say we're going to do the episode. I'll give you a poll on what it's going to be. That, Let's let the listeners That sounds choose. sexual and violent. I like it. Incredibly. Incredibly so. And uh, so, yeah, plugs, please. I did write a book recently. Yes, he did. I'm gonna write, and I read the whole thing, and it's really did. good. Thank you. I'm going to write <laughs> okay. my second and third one probably together. Um, and I heard about the third one, and it's very and, fucking cool. Yeah, no one else did. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> we'll see you in 12 months. Um, so, plugs. <laughs> Go to the website, uncensoredtactical.com. If you want the paperback version of the book, you can find that there. If you want the if you want a link to the Kindle or any other digital uh, book, you can, you can find the Kindle link there. But I'm on most Which platforms. Which do you get more money from? 
Which do you get more to money? To be clear, from? I think I get the most money from uh, the paperback version through lulu.com. And you can find that on my website. Just go to my website. Do him a Cashful. favor. If you want to buy the book, do him the biggest favor you can and get it from there. Uh, if you don't like that and you like reading your books on your iPad or whatever, that's great. I also make it, it makes the algorithms happy. It puts the book in front of more people. If you do that, it doesn't Ooh. matter to me. As long I want, I'm not doing this to fucking retire off of one book sale. What I'm doing is <laughs> I want to bring value to the community. So hopefully you find value however you want. Just supporting me is great. I'm happy with that. The website's home base. You can find almost everything there. That's it. I'm happy. You can find me on most social media platforms, but not Facebook. Not Facebook. Never Facebook. Never Fedbook. And with that, listeners, squaw, squaw, and squaw. <laughs> <laughs>